Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, where we'll break down a 116 to 113 loss to the Phoenix Suns, an incredible game winner for Devin Booker that Jalen Brunson ultimately couldn't match. We'll tell you why this game was ultimately lost in the first half. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on, Knicks, and this morning's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for first deposit match up to $100. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because you're now available on all platforms. That includes, that's right, on YouTube. You can see our smiling faces each and every day if you subscribe and hit that notifications bell. But then be sure, I mean, sometimes you're, I don't know, you're at a wedding or, or God forbid, a funeral. Um, be sure to uh, subscribe to the audio side so you can listen more covertly when necessary and then if you, if you really want to uh, take things in a solicitous direction you can sign up for our locked on knicks subtext where we will text you before and after every game our thoughts on the new york knicks and uh, you can ask us questions on the team uh, whenever whenever it pleases you even even at three in the morning alex and i are night owls so we'll, we'll be up to answer that um you can check that out in the um episode description uh, but who's talking to you? Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. I'm going to do this one because of that play-by-play schedule a little bit differently. So I actually watched the Suns game before I watched the Heat game because I was I was off doing games all week, and it kind of got me thinking. All right, why don't we split this into two parts? Because these were these were two monumental games um, for some similar reasons, some different reasons, and I thought they were each deserving of a full breakdown. So we're going to start off with the Suns, and, and then we will get to the Miami Heat. Um, in a couple of hours. So stay tuned for a part two to this one. But before we get into that, we got to talk about ugh, a Sunday night heartbreaker for the Knicks. A 116 to 113 loss to the Phoenix Suns. The Suns led it by 17 at one point. We're up by 15 um, in the first half uh, in a game where, where basically everyone other than Devin Booker was cooking the Suns. The Knicks went with the decision to double Booker um, for the majority of the first half. It worked out pretty well. He, he started off shooting something like one for seven for the game. They held him to seven points in the entirety of the first half. The issue was everyone else was pouring it on for Phoenix. Chemezi Metu made multiple threes. Jordan Goodwin was looking like a two-way stud. Uh, they, they, they turned back the clock on Eric Gordon, who had 17 points on, I think, four or five threes in the first half and was absolutely torching the Knicks. So I know, I know the focus of this one is going to be on Devin Booker's game winner, what the Knicks uh, maybe did wrong in that play, what the Knicks did wrong leading up to that play um, to not have the game um, already be um, in hand or, or them ahead late in the second half. But I think this loss um, and anyone who watched uh, likely agrees with me, clearly started in the first half for the New York Knicks. So the most glaring number were the offensive rebounds. Phoenix averages 10 of them per game on the season. They had 14 total in the first half against one of the best defensive rebounding teams. I think coming into this one, the best defensive rebounding team in all of basketball. And, and I thought the Knicks effort on the glass was uh, emblematic of their entire defensive effort and, and a substantial portion of their offensive effort in the first half, which, which was just defined by total lethargy bordering on disinterest at points. Mitchell Robinson 
and Julius Randle were just totally absent from this game in the first half. On the glass, offensively, Julius had just two points heading into the closing minutes of the opening half. In a game, and and this is not revisionist history, I have the bookmarks, I, I noted that he should dominate. The Suns just did not have a matchup for him. It was very similar to when they played the Hornets. Um, I, I guess that was just a week ago. Wow, time flies. Um, where, where there was just no answer, right? And whoever Phoenix put on him was either going to be too skinny or too short. And, and Julius should have been destined to just bully ball his way to, uh, honestly, probably a 40-piece tonight. And he did have that kind of production in the second half, right? 24 second-half points in this one, 17 in a monstrous third quarter. But in that first half, he he was just asleep at the wheel. I mean, outside of the Miami game, it's it's been a long time since Julius Randle had a half of basketball that poor. And and it, it was really since the Bucks game, which is was was kind of the nadir of, of the Julius Randle experience this year. And and since then, he's he's obviously turned it around in a pretty substantial way. But he was he was totally absent in the first half. Mitch was totally absent in the first half. I thought there were. There were a number of reasons behind behind the rebounding. I mean, it was it was mostly that the bigs just just didn't really have a lot of energy. But it was also Phoenix playing a whole lot of size around Devin Booker, and and it's it's I mean, I guess it's the one credit of their roster building, right? That um, around Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Booker, they they knew they weren't going to have a lot of talent, so they said, all right, let's let's find shooting and size at all costs, and you had. Kata Bates Jop, who's what, like 6'8, six, 6'9? Six, like he he played 28 minutes in this one. Nurkic had one of his better defensive games and, and rebounding games on the season for Phoenix. Like he finished with four offensive rebounds, four blocks in this one. Um, we, we mentioned Gordon. He wasn't really part of it, but Drew Eubanks is like 6'11. Shemesi Metu is 6'10. And, and again, with those two threes and, and a nice pump and go drive, he flashed the ability to play on the perimeter. Yuta Watanabe, 6'6, 6'7. Nasir Little, 6'8. I'm doing, I'm doing all these heights off the dome. So sorry if they're a couple inches off. The point is, they put a lot of size on the floor. And, and all those guys, I mean, Josh, Josh Kogi too, they were absolutely freaking hungry and they wanted this game. And, and the Knicks, I don't know if it was Kevin Durant, like if, I, I think officially being declared out just a little bit before the game started. They they didn't seem like they took the sun seriously, and and, and maybe it was it was just a, a little bit of a of a letdown coming off that exceptional heat comeback. Um, but I, I think the Knicks were expecting kind of all right, primetime game, primetime opponent, rocking garden environment, and, and no KD just took a little bit of air out of the building. And then you have this team that's big and long and and wanted to prove that hey, it's not just Bradley Beal, it's not just Kevin Durant, it's not just Devin Booker. Like we, we are a championship team top to bottom. Do I believe that about the Phoenix Suns um, as, a, as, as someone who roots for them on, on an occasional basis? No, not really. I think I think there's some real flaws there that that became apparent um, in the stretches where they weren't just blindingly hot from three. But again, give those guys credit because they 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 played their butts off and, and the Knicks. Um, it was a rare night because this is this is their identity under Tom Thibodeau. They got out efforted. They got out length around the basket, like all, all these, all these qualities that have defined Knicks basketball, both, both this year and, and the last couple years under Tibbs just, just weren't there um, on the entire first half. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it as we go along, but there were, there were a myriad of other issues um, supplementing, supplementing the rebounding that really, really hurt the Knicks early in this one. Obviously like Quentin Grimes, just another, Ultra quiet game from him. RJ Barrett um, is is he kind of regressing to the mean after a really hot start to the season? Mitchell Robinson's three point shooting. Josh Hart's 
um, total lack of aggressiveness offensively. It, it was it was a first half where Jalen Brunson poured in 20 points. Emmanuel quickly was pretty solid, and everyone else got either a D or an F. They, outside Dante DiVincenzo made a few nice shots. Pretty much everyone else got a D or an F for their first half performances. Um, but Jalen Brunson, uh, and we can we can wrap up this this initial segment on this point. Um, he was incredible, uh, both in the first half and in the second. Um, basically, single handedly keeping the Knicks in this game in the early going, um, both with his passing and his scoring, like hit another one of those lefty cross-court bullets to R.J. Barrett to set up a, a drive for a nice reverse layup on what was one of R.J.'s only good moments of the first half. Um, he got pissed off because he he thought he was fouled on on two two straight buckets, one where I can't remember, I think it was a Kogi guarding him, got his foot um, under Brunson's foot. We've seen that happen to Brunson a bunch this year without it being called he made the jumper anyways next play goes down the floor initiates contact with Devin Booker like like the uh the Arian Foster style running back that he is maybe even there's I mean he's not as big as Brandon Jacobs but man he's like Brunson there's no other way to describe Brunson's a fullback he's a running back in the open court the way he initiates contact and it's so clear like he is a brick you know what house this year um but anyways but book probably got his hand on that one brought uh, Brunson scored anyways. And, and then he said, all right, you're not calling that. I- I'm just going to keep rolling. Like came back down hit another jumper going between the legs, um, hit one more four straight buckets. Uh, like the last one, snaking a pick and roll into a pull-up um, started the second quarter, huge three around a screen, another three for a 20 point first half. And then I thought in the second half, um, you're starting to see the effects of Brunson now being one of the best three-point shooters in basketball. And, it, and if we want to do a quick review, a quick fact check on that statement, uh, we, we, we can go down that road. Um, he's shooting 47% from three, and he is – hold on, let me just find the numbers. Um, so he's, he's eighth in the NBA in made threes. Out of the top ten, he is first in three-point percentage. So eighth in made threes, first in percentage out of the top ten. So he's one of the, one of the best volume shooters in the league. And out of the highest volume shooters, he is the most efficient, um, just above Tyrese Halliburton in that capacity. So he's an elite three-point shooter. You're starting to see that carry over to other aspects of his game that were really lagging behind earlier in the season. Um, he, he Again, he struggled to get to the rim earlier this year. But now the Knicks are setting these screens for him close to half court. And, and you see defenders reticent to go under because they know all right he can take two dribbles in and pull up in my face from 27 feet and and that that is a shot that you don't want to give up now as a defense and and it's the same thing we've seen with dame all these years it's the same thing we've seen with steph all these years where those guys are ultra quick and hyper efficient in the lane even as they get into their mid-30s because they get these long runways because defenders have to trail them over the screen and that's what we're seeing with jalen brunson like he got a wide open layup uh, because um, I think it was I think it was Jordan Goodwin had to trail him over a screen 30 feet away from the basket. So that is huge, huge, huge for Brunson. Um, and then to cap it all off, just just the big shots down the stretch of this game. Shot clock expiring when the Knicks were still struggling the second half. They were down 79 to 66. He hits a 28 footer. Boom, 79 69. Knicks ended up taking their first lead um, a little bit later, and Brunson was was a big part of that pump fake to shake his defender, dribble to the right, another huge three, made it 84-82. At that point, at 30 points, seven assists, six rebounds in just 26 minutes. Um, took a hit from Devin Booker, came back down, stepped back three to tie it at 107 all. Um, awesome pass to Julius Randle, late down the stretch where he got caught up in the middle of the lane, used his pivot series beautifully, 
waited out Randall back cutting um, Devin Booker for a dunk. I think that tied the game. And, and then the one that did tie the game late that gave the Knicks the chance late before Booker broke their hearts. Um, elbow jumper with 22 seconds left to make it 113 to 113. Shout out to Mitchell Robinson on that play. Um, realized the shot clock was winding down. Goodwin was who played great defense all game. He, he's awesome. Was was tracking Brunson pretty good. And, and Mitch just slid in there to nail Goodwin on a screen. Brunson um, able to get Nurkic on him, put one in his eye. Awesome, awesome, awesome play uh, from Jalen Brunson on that one. All right. Um, next on Locked On Knicks, we are going to talk about Julius Randle's tale of two halves, and then and then we will dive deeper into uh, some of my concerns uh, for the Knicks coming out of this game. And maybe, maybe I'll, I'll you know, I'm going to rate them on a one to 10 scale. We got to, we got to throw a little, little game in there. Uh, but before I do that on the locked on Knicks podcast, uh, you know what time it is. If, if, if you've been listening recently, I got to tell you about my good friends over at prize picks. So you might be at home asking yourself, what is prize picks? Well, prize picks is the largest daily fantasy sports DFS platform in North America, we have the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and trucks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you watch the winnings roll in. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. So I'm going to take uh, the combination of Jalen Brunson over two and a half, or sorry, let, let's let, let's let's make that number a little bit more realistic and higher. Um, over seven and a half threes, plus uh, let's go to the Monday night football game for our next side of it. Uh, Jordan Addison reception. So that's Jalen Brunson threes, Jordan Addison receptions over seven and a half. I think that is totally doable. I would put some put some money down on that. And then this is really cool. And I, I've never heard about this on any other daily fantasy site. PrizePix offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Again, this is totally unprecedented. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. I love that personally. I am so tired of, of, of playing daily fantasy in college football, and I just get killed because my guy is going off, and then and then he turns an ankle, has some cramps, and that that's it for the day. Anyways, if you want to join in on the fun, go to prizeweeks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Again, go to prizeweeks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, uh, Julius Randle, man, Omed, a, a, a Jekyll and Hyde performance, if if I've ever seen one, a Jekyll and Hyde career, if I've ever seen one, uh, for Mr. Julius Randle. So it was an ugly start to this game. I would say the, the low point um, was Yusuf Nurkic uh, disrespectfully daring him to make about an eight-footer, and Julius, of course, took the bait, shot it, Missed it, uh, and at that point, my I was I was I was sitting there with a uh, kind of deal going on, you know. Um, that sucked. That was that was that was like screaming. All right, it's not his night. It's not the Knicks' night. 
they're going to lose this game. I have people, um, people coming at me on Twitter saying, all right, time to trade Julius. Um, he had two points and one rebound deep into the second quarter, despite, as I, as I noted earlier, the fact that the Suns had essentially um, no one to guard him. There's a play where Eric Gordon was on him, and instead of just backing Gordon to oblivion and hitting a short turnaround, he tried to laser a pass to Mitchell Robinson from three feet away between two defenders. Of course, that resulted in a turnover. He got toasted by Kata Bates-Jop for an and one. Um, he had another defensive play where he just looked, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but he, he, he just looked like, just, just didn't give a crap, really. Um, it, it was giving up a corner three. That's what it was. And he was just sitting there, and he, he got out on it so so late oh you know what that's that's from the heat game I'm, I'm i'm conflating stuff the point is it it was believable because it was that type of game from julius randall where, where he didn't appear to give a crap and was like all right we're just gonna lose because you you can't survive that from your second best player and then the second half um on a court with with mr jalen brunson and, and mr devin booker um he had a third quarter where he was far and away uh the best player on the court um started getting mismatch after mismatch and and over and over again just burrowing his way into the paint to take advantage of it like he like he just went beast mode on Devin Booker to ultimately get a short turnaround over and over again and this was so encouraging to see in a game where where again the effort wasn't really there very much in the first half he just ran the floor hard to get deep post position um and 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 set up short shot after short shot draw foul after foul and then like it went from like all right like he's having he's really rebounding he's playing with the right mentality this is great to oh my god this dude is cooking late in this later in the third quarter as the Knicks get ready to tie it like had it had this nice double double jab um and just torched Tremezi Metu for a, a and one uh layup bully ball fader to tie it that was his 10th ninth 10th point in the third then got up to 12 with a spin move and a post banker to give the Knicks their first lead at 86 to 84. Um, went right at Devin Booker in transition. Didn't really care that Yusuf Nurkic was chasing him from behind. Um, finished that one to get the Knicks back up after they gave up the lead. Post up Jordan Goodwin for an and one to start the fourth. Or excuse me, that was late third. Had a fallaway shot over a double team with the shot clock winding down. That was just a huge hit when the Knicks had absolutely nothing going on a possession halfway through the fourth quarter. That gave them a 105. 104 in lead. Um, and then there were just a couple bummer plays from him late, had a three that went in and out when they were down two with 316 left. Totally fine shots, just, just bad luck there. Um, then he missed a layup uh with about two and a half minutes left that he he just should have finished, right? Because I, I forgot if it was Nurkic or if it was someone else, but he he beat his guy to the rim. He was it, it was slightly contested, but it was it was on the left side, like just no excuse for missing it. And it led to him getting an offensive rebound. Probably got fouled, so didn't get to go up. That that wasn't his fault. But then it led to Mitch getting the ball. Mitch getting fouled, and, and Mitch will we'll, we'll get to it. But he was disastrous shooting free throws down the stretch of this game. Just one for four, down to about thirty five percent on the season. So that was that was two points out the window. Um, awesome chemistry with on, on that play I mentioned earlier with Brunson for the backdoor cut for the dunk, and 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 he that was just a play that he wouldn't have made the first eight years of his career, the first uh, whatever years in that, first seven years of his career. Um, and he's been making it consistently this year and making it consistently like I, I, he had one down this, was it against the, down the stretch of the Bucks team? No, it was just down the stretch against the Hawks. Like another one where he just bailed Jalen Brunson out. And the fact that he's the guy doing this, when, when when coming into the season, he would have been the last guy on the floor to say, all right, he's going he's gonna to cut off the ball late in the game for a bucket. Like, Julius would have been my last guess, and, and he's doing that consistently. So that is awesome to see. 
um, had this great dig on Yusuf Nurkic to seal a shot clock violation on the next possession. So that was all awesome. What was a little less awesome was um, his defense, which I, I meant to start the segment with this. I kind of forgot to. Um, on Devin Booker's game-winning three-pointer, um, which this wasn't, obviously this wasn't totally his fault. Like for, first and foremost, it was just an incredible shot for Devin Booker. So Booker, the Sun, or the Knicks doubled the ball out of Book's hands. That's fantastic, right? Um, and then RJ Barrett lets him get it back. And I saw it was, it was Mo DeKeel, who's, Who's, who does awesome work for the athletic. Um, I think, I think does, does some of his own work too. Um, also long time NBA video guy worked for the Clippers. He, he was saying like, you, you just can't let Booker get the ball back here. And I, I kind of think like, obviously that's, that's true. Um, I think that's easier said than done, but you should have argued that RJ Barrett maybe should have face guarded him. Obviously there's a world where that results in him getting back cut and Booker potentially getting a layup. I, I would have taken him like trying to shoot like a, a mid range or a lay, over Mitchell Robinson or having to slip it to, to use of Nurkic against a rotating Knicks defense or spray it out to someone else for an open three, basically anything other than the shot we got. And, and sure that's, that's, that's with the benefit of hindsight, but uh, I, I think I would have said that before the play and, and it would be nice to see R, RJ just try to deny him the ball. And then after the point, RJ doesn't deny him the ball. Booker already has so much momentum going towards the sideline and Julius Randall in that situation has to recognize that you have that sideline, you hear um, UB Brown referenced it all the time, has that sideline as a third defender. So he has to sprint up and close book off. And 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 that's tricky to do without potentially committing a foul, without it, it, Booker just going up early and getting a shot up. But if Randall beats him to the spot, you either have a trap with, with, with Booker um, or, or the Suns having to take a timeout or Booker just having to throw it up to someone. Um, or a situation where where Randall really beats into the spot and is able to draw a charge, and, and I, I just and, and then Randall just gets his lame contest, like he he jumps when when Booker's basically already releasing the ball, nothing on it. Uh, Booker drains the three, and look, that's like Randall Randall just quote after the game that that will infuriate you if you're a Julius Randall hater, if you're a Julius Randall lover, you'll say there's nothing wrong with that. If you're like me and you're somewhere in the middle, you'll just be like. I wish he, I wish he, I wish he just kind of said, you know what, maybe I could have played better defense there, but instead Randall comes out um, after the game and, and, and says he made a great shot fading out of bounds, three point over two people. You got to tap on the button and say, good job. He made a great shot. Not really much more you can do about it. Again, there was like, he could have gotten up there earlier. He could have trapped him. He could have forced the ball out of his hands and it's a great shot. But Devin Booker is one of the great shot makers in NBA history. I the few thousand, I, I don't know. What is it? 3000 guys who've ever played in the NBA bookers probably, one of the last like 15 to 20 guys you want taking that shot. Um, so anything you can do to stop him from taking that shot, you got to be able to do it. Um, so disappointing from Julius, but again, at a certain point he is who he is and he's not someone who plays with, with a ton of energy defensively um, or, is it, or just doesn't really have a lot of explosion. Like you hear Benji Ritholtz always talking about his, his inertia theory with, with Julius Randle. And, and he, and like once he's on the move, he's great and he's a great athlete. But him starting and stopping, it's it just he's not he's not an athlete in that sense. And whether that's mental or physical, we may never know. But that's his weakness, and it showed up at, at, a, at a bad time for the Knicks. Again, not totally on him. And, and and first and foremost, it's an incredible shot from Booker. What was more so on him was was Booker really getting going in the third quarter. And, and this is another great point from our guy Benji. Follow, follow him on Twitter, at Rit Holtzman. Um, he, he was noting um, that I, I kind of noticed once he pointed out um, – the Booker was doing a nice job and the Suns are doing a good job putting Randall in the action over and over again. And Randall was just not very decisive guarding Booker. Sometimes he does a great job of, of kind of taking those matchups on the nose and, and taking that as a challenge and really guarding up in um, this game just, just was 
like doing multiple different things defensively and didn't, I, I don't know if that's on Tibbs or if that's on Jules, but just didn't really have a coherent plan in terms of how he wanted to address, to address Booker. Um, generally with Randall, you want him blitzing, you want him in motion and, and you want him pressing up into the body. If whoever it is, even a score as good as Booker, that wasn't really happening. All right. Uh, we will come back one final time, address some final concerns from this one. But before we do that, um, I want to tell you about our buddies over at FanDuel Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. I'm going to repeat that again because it's just insane. That's $150 if your team wins from just a $5 money line bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Um, I told you guys about the championship odds. Maybe you're feeling a little bit worse about it. After that one, so I'll, I'll give you some NBA odds. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans travel to play the Utah Jazz tomorrow. I, I guess the big question there is their health, but they are four-point favorites only. I, I think the Pelicans are built to blow out that Jazz team, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to put some money on the Pelicans uh, on the road there. I think I think that'll work out pretty well for you. But you know what? I've, I've been doing poorly lately in these suggestions. So if you want to go against me, I totally understand it. Regardless, either way, visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown and kick off both the NFL and the NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right. Uh, let's let's address some, some final odds and ends coming out of this Suns game. Um, Emmanuel quickly, uh, more big shots. He was again, not, not, not his best game ever. Uh, 18 points, uh, just one assist, just two rebounds. That was a little disappointing. Shot four for 11, but some big moments defensively had an awesome block tracking Jordan Goodwin, um, had this great steal in the final few minutes on Devin Booker or Booker was, was just kind of casually, um, and, and like kind of arrogantly waving off his son's teammates and said, basically mouse in the house. I'm going to toast this guy. And, and IQ just picks his pocket. It was, it was maybe the most satisfying steal I, I've, I've seen from the Knicks um, since, since Quentin Grimes on, on Jimmy Butler once upon a time um, in the playoffs last year. Um, and, and again, the shots Emmanuel quickly did make, they, they just all felt, they felt huge, right? Like a big three to start the second um, to cut the lead back to single digits um, had a massive three to open the fourth. Um, him and Brunson had this great two-man action, um, which uh, another one that Ben Gio has notes, um, where where quickly set a ghost screen um, for Brunson. So that's a screen that never actually makes contact. Um, and, and and you just saw the um, Suns preemptively switch it. But while they were in the midst of doing that, quickly was already popping out to the opposite wing. Brunson did a great job recognizing it as both defenders were sort of caught up on Brunson. I think neither of them wanting to give up a three. Brunson just slug it over big three from quickly Knicks up by five. So fun to see those two play off each other. I, I hope as the season goes along and, and Tom Thibodeau re-realizes that. And, and look, this is, this is, this is a bad shot at tips, right? Because he, he's played quickly a lot this year, but, but the, the, that's two of your three best players. I want to see them in the action together um, more often. And I think there's a lot of good that can come from it, e- even if they're like sized and, 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 and obviously easy to switch against. Like there, there are ways to creatively have them, leverage each other's games like you've seen this year with with Brunson and Randall a little bit more um, and, and generated some late free throws. So that was that was all good stuff from Emmanuel quickly in this one. Um, another another really bad night. Third, third straight, like basically silent game um, 
from Quentin Grimes. So, so you go back against Minnesota. He was 0 for 6 in that one, went scoreless in, in 25 minutes. Uh, other night against Miami, 1 for 4, 3 points, 2 assists, just 1 made 3. Um, tonight against the Suns, 1 for 5, 1 made 3. Did have 3 rebounds, did have 2 assists, just 3 points in 20 minutes. And and this is this is the bummer right now because we, we spend all offseason – Hyping up Quinn Grimes, talking about how that last, um, what was it, 15 or so games last year, we put up 14 points, shot like 45% from three on high volume. wasn't a mirage. We are going to get that Quinn Grimes full-time. I was I was really laying it all on the line, making Desmond Bain-esque proclamations for him. And we, we just have not seen that version of him offensively, at least with any kind of consistency this year. And, and, and look, it, it's multifaceted, right? He doesn't get a lot of opportunity. The Knicks don't go out of the way to get him shots. Um, but at a certain point, like he has to create his own stuff and he has to be aggressive. He has to find the ball. He has to call for the ball. He has to attack the rim at times when he has the ball. He has to keep shooting even when they're not going in. And, and look, the last few games he's done that. It's partially just a cold stretch. But right now he's he's looking like a lesser player than he actually is. And, and he did a nice job on on Devin Booker in this game. But if he wants to finish games, if he wants to be on the floor late now, the Knicks have DiVincenzo, obviously with quickly, with Hart, with RJ playing better. Like he, he just, he just has to step it up. And I, I, in the past, I I've gone above and beyond just saying like, all right, that dude just has to be on the floor no matter what late in games. Like right now he has to, he has to earn it and he's not, he's not earning it right now. Like he, he doesn't have really anyone to look at other than himself. And, 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 and I'm saying that with a whole lot of love because I I'm rooting for Quentin Grimes. I think just about, if not more than anyone on this Knicks team to excel. Um, RJ Barrett, uh, speaking of, of bad stretches, um, this was, this was another, uh, really poor effort from him. So his last four games now, um, really since coming back from injury, uh, 15 points, uh, or, or migraine, um, 15 points against Charlotte, three rebounds, three assists. And that one shot just five of 15 though, 14 points against Minnesota, four for 13, um, really nice game against Miami, which we'll talk about tomorrow, 18 and seven on seven of 14 shooting. Um, and then against the Suns, 31 minutes, just nine points, three for 11 from the field. Uh, you summed that all up. Um, you know what? Let me, let me take a second and get the graphic in here. Um, he, he is really, really not, uh, been shooting the ball. Well, like, like at all, um, it, it has been ugly for RJ Barrett. Um, now that I've successfully stalled for a minute here, if you're watching on YouTube, you, you can see it. Um, I put it in the wrong area. Hold on. Um, you, you can see it on my screen in just a sec when I, when I actually get it to the right spot, this is, this has to be just about the most compelling podcasting in the world, right? Just torture for people to say that. Okay. I've got it now. It's on the background and my foreground, RJ Barrett, 14 points, five rebounds, 1.5 is just the last four games. Um, shooting 35%, 36% from the field, 31% from three shout out to stat news for those numbers. Um, all right. So where does that leave us? on on rj barrett um is it is it just him being a little bit cold coming back from injury is it him getting his legs back is he is he playing through an injury is it just a, a normal four game cold stretch um i think the truth is is probably somewhere in the middle it's not the 50 percent three-point shooter he was early in the season he is not the 31 percent three-point shooter um he is now my concern is, is that even when the three-point numbers went up you would have expected his efficiency at the rim to go up too because he was taking less shots at the rim. He was being more selective in terms of shots at the rim. And, and that those percentages um, did not really rise proportionately. His rim volume was way down. His efficiency was only slightly up. 
And I think that is my concern here is that if the truth of the RJ is somewhere in the middle and it's a little bit closer to the 31% than the 50%, we're looking at a guy who is still a better player than last year because the shot's better and the decision-making is better, but not the dramatic leap, the potentially all-star type leap that we thought we were seeing early this season. Again, you want to give it more than four games. He's always been a streaky player. Um, and, and that could that could be interpreted in a bad way when he was really cooking earlier this year. It can also be interpreted in a good way um, when he's not playing well. So hopefully we see that um, from RJ. Uh, quick shout out to the bigs, Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hardenstein. I thought both of them um, just just sucked in the first half of this game. And, and I thought both of them were, were much, much better in the second half. Hardenstein in particular, like I've been really concerned offensively with his finishing, which just hasn't been there. And you, you can tell he's been getting frustrated by it. And defensively, he looks almost like Mitch in his first and second year where, we're, where he's playing with so much effort. And, and that's great. And you love to see it. But it's almost to his detriment where, where he's just picking up so many fouls recently because he, he's, he's pressing so hard to make plays. Um, but late in the second half, he, he had some – some really nice moments um, hit RJ on a cut and RJ blew the layup and he just bulldozed his way to get the ball back and get a dunk had another one of those to get free throws um, shot shot four free throws in, inside the fourth quarter. Um, and he, he was, he was nice to have a reliable option on the floor when Mitch got taken out um, because Mitch could not make um, his free throws. And he had some good defensive moments in this game. I like got a block uh, on, on KBD to end the first half on a three block Booker after Josh Hart did a nice job holding him up. But man, Mitch spent his whole offseason working on free throws. And we saw we saw the treat from his tweet from his trainer. I think I think his name is Marcel Scott. If I'm remembering correctly, I apologize if I'm completely getting that wrong. Um, but um, we saw that tweet that that Mitch had improved his athleticism and his free throw shooting over the summer. One half of that was absolutely right. He's he's so clearly in the best shape of his career. And, and he was he was an absolute anchor for the Knicks early on in the season, continues to be an absolute anchor for them on the defensive side of the ball. The issue comes into play with his free throw shooting, which is now um, worse than it's ever been. And it's been really bad. And this is someone who was close to 70% early on in his career and is now half that at, at right around 35% for the season. It is ugly, 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 ugly right now. And the Knicks are, are not going to be able to play him down the stretch of games. And and, and they, look, they will be able to play him um, inside the final two minutes because of the rules that you, you can no longer intentionally foul inside the final two minutes. So that's great, but maybe eight-minute mark of the fourth quarter to the two-minute mark of the fourth quarter, or even in the first half, if the Knicks are going on a run, another team says, you know what, screw this. Let, let, let's let Mitch shoot some free throws. And and especially in the playoffs, um, that is absolutely going to be a concern for New York. Uh, final thing, Josh Hart uh, needs to shoot threes when he's open. That contract, uh, with everything else Hart does, and and I think this is just a cold start to the season. I think he's going to get better. Um, this is a conversation we have to start having that that contract is not going to look good if he doesn't take and, and and hit threes that are now wide open because defenses just have zero fear of him with with a decent amount of volume. We saw in the playoffs and it completely neutered the Knicks offense. That is going to continue to happen against good teams in, in, in big games. Um, so he has to take and make threes. He has to be aggressive offensively. He has to be aggressive in transition. He he's not having nearly the season he had last year. And I think just because the Knicks have been playing well on the whole, especially of late and earlier on this season, Julius Randle was such a bigger story. Um, that is something that has gone way, way under the radar, but it is something that has to be noted, something that has to be watched. All right, guys, that is it for this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. But we'll be back uh, later on in the morning, depending on, on how late I sleep uh, because I'm recording this really late at night, um, but probably around uh, 11 a.m. 
um, East Coast time um, with uh, a full recap and thoughts on the Miami Heat game um, and then plenty more content to come. Alex will be back uh, this week, so it'll be super fun to catch up with him and get his thoughts on the last week or so of Knicks basketball. But until then, be good. We'll talk to you very soon on Locked on Knicks.